Hey everybody, talkingbook.pub is a non-profit audiobook publisher of independent literature. We are located in Asheville, North Carolina, and because we are a non-profit, uh, donations and help from people like you who love these books and love these recordings really helps a lot. So if you want to get involved, donate to our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash talkingbook, or go to our website, talkingbook.pub, and read about our mission, send us an email, give us a call, whatever you want to do. But enjoy the episode. Thank you. Hey everybody, my name is Chris Hartram and you're listening to the Talking Book Podcast. Today, I just got done talking to an amazing artist and woman and person and writer and musician named Barbara Browning. And Barbara Browning, she wrote a book called The Gift that came out with Emily Books and Coffeehouse Press. It's a book that we worked with her on, uh, recorded, produced, and published 2017, kind of the summer of last year, I think, but the book is still going strong and it's one of our favorite recordings we've ever done. And it's taken me a long time to catch up with Barbara, but you know, the book was just nominated for a Lambda Award recently, uh, which is a really cool, awesome, you know, thing to happen, uh, especially timing uh, with this conversation. But, um, yeah, uh, this this book is this book is pretty wild, and uh, as you'll see when I'm talking to her, it's so appropriate for the audio format because you know so much of it has to do with different kinds of, of media and and recording oneself and sound and the spoken word and yeah, I think I think you're gonna like it. But um, but anyway, yeah, here's my chat with Barbara Browning, author of The Gift, out now from Us in Audio and in print from Coffeehouse. Press and Emily Books. Hello. Hey, is this Barbara? Yes, it is. Hey, Barbara, this is Chris from Talking Book. Hey, Chris, how are you doing? Doing well. How are you today? I'm pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. We had a big, we had a big snowstorm yesterday. You may have heard and. We're recovering. Yeah, that's right. I uh, I've seen all my um, my New York friends' uh, social media posts. They're all posting of themselves mm. in, in snow. Mm. Anyway, we survived. So. <laughs> how, how bad was it? I actually uh, haven't really read anything about it. It was it was pretty messy, and my uh, my partner and his daughter were flying back to France, so it was kind of a last minute scramble to get them to the airport. But you know, it all turned out all right. Oh, that's good. That's good that everybody's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, I, I just assumed that it was a, a snowy day. I didn't realize it was a, a legit storm. Yeah, it was big. Oh man, uh, we're we're here in the uh, in the mountains of Carolina, and so it's sunny and green. But there were snowflakes, but nothing stuck. Mm-hmm. So it was just right. just simple. So uh, so yeah, what's new with you? What's going on? Uh, well, let's see. Still the school year for me, and as you know, I teach in the Department of Performance Studies here at NYU, so I'm doing the regular teaching stuff, but um, also trying to keep things moving with um, publicity for the book uh, that I did with you, and also um, the subsequent book that I published. Maybe you heard this uh, just like two days ago, the gift was nominated for a Lammy, so... 
That's yeah, kind of exciting. I saw yeah. that. That's so cool. Like, what good timing that you and I finally get to chat right at, right after yeah. that. Yeah, that's yeah, amazing. So that was that was exciting. Yeah, that's cool. Um, what what is uh what what what's going on with that with that award? What what is uh, I don't know anything about that one. Well, the Lambda. I have a long history with the Lambda Literary Awards. It's kind of a, it's a pretty great organization. I've served before as a judge for them, and my first novel, um, the correspondence artist, won a Lammy also, or I mean, won a Lammy. This one is just nominated so far, but um, and they're it's a really great organization and trying to get the word out about. Um, fiction and nonfiction authored by queer identified writers. So um, it's got a kind of interesting history, the way that they determine what category books go into, because, uh, and for me, it's really interesting to think about. Um, It started out when they first started the Lambda Awards, I think it was much more oriented toward the, um, the sexual, identification of the author. Right. But then as, as time went on, they began to shift their thinking about that. And ostensibly now, if you write a work of fiction, the category that the book goes into is about representations of certain kinds of sexual identities of the characters as opposed to the author. Oh, so wow. that's, yeah, which is kind of interesting. So that, you know, like ostensibly, uh, you know, a straight woman could be up for the gay male fiction award, you know, which is kind of, kind of interesting if you think about it. So, um, that, that's been a source of some, uh, controversy within the organization and sort of shifting ideas. But for me, conceptually, that's super interesting because what it kind of asks you to think about is the relationship between the ways that we think about sexuality and fiction, you know? So that's, and, uh, you know, as you may have surmised from, from the gift, that's, that's something that's of interest to me. And um, it was something that was important to me in the, in that first uh, novel that I wrote as well. So anyway, I like to think about it. It's it's a complicated and weird uh, sort of conundrum, but, but I find it raises some kind of interesting issues. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. Kind of just as you told me about that, my mind is kind of just in a bit of an overdrive trying to process it. And it, it's definitely a really interesting choice. I'm curious, and you might know this. What what was the uh, the catalyst for making them transition to like that? Obviously, a little bit less traditional version of that, based on a fictional character um, as opposed to the author. I'm not sure exactly. I sort of came into the organization after that transition had already happened so that, you know, by the time I looked at the guidelines, you know, that told you where you should be submitting, um, your works that had already happened. I'm not, I'm not sure exact. I can't give you like a, a real institutional history of it. I can only tell you that among the, among the judges and the people who are involved in the organization, there's still sometimes a little bit of confusion about all of that. Um, because of course, if you think about the, the goals of the organization, one of the things that they want to do is to give uh, certain writers who might have encountered, uh, you know, forms of discrimination or who might not have been able to enter into mainstream publishing because of, um, you know, limited ideas about the appropriateness of their work for a broad audience. So they want, they want to give those people some recognition. And so oftentimes that really is about the identity of the author. On the other hand, uh, 
you know, the, I think a lot of people began to think, well, it's also important to think about representations of characters, the kinds of characters we want to see, you know. Right, uh, yeah. So. Yeah, that's yeah, a tough one. Uh, wow. So cool. It's, it's, yeah. re- it's really fun to think about, as you it said. It is fun to think about. Yeah. Well, I mean, in, in my case, um, in, in both of the books that, you know, that have been up for Lammies, um, it's, it's really kind of the, what the book is, almost what the book is about. Right. So, you know, the, the relationship between fiction and sex and gender identity and sexual uh, identification. So, um, so for me, it's, it's super interesting to think about, but yeah. Yeah. Really cool. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, that's really cool that the gift was nominated for that. I mean, you know, it's been a while since, uh, you know, at least in my head, it's been a, a hot minute since this audiobook has, has come out, but I've wanted to chat with you a little bit about it for so long now. I mean, you know, you have the, uh, have you ever done an audiobook before the gift? I can't remember if we, we well, that. you know, it's funny you asked that because I sort of feel like, you know, when I knew I was going to be talking to you, I almost feel like I would like to be interviewing you. About, right. Please. <laughs> about, ask about me any question you, you well, the reason, the, the reason is that for me, um, so I just said, and I'm going to sound like I'm, I'm, I'm saying, oh, my book is about everything because I just said it was a, partly about the relationship between sexuality and fiction. And now I'm also going to say this book, The Gift, is sort of about recorded voices right. talking and thinking about them as music and thinking about them as art. And that also is something that's preoccupied me for a long time. So um, the very first novel that I ever wrote uh, was called Who is Mr. Waxman? And I wrote it um, in the early aughts. And I tried to shop it, and it was maybe a little too weird for people. So I didn't want to let it just sink. And part of the the story was about working with a sound artist, and it was like all of my fiction. It was kind of collaborative with um, with the person that I was fictionalizing within the narrative. So he and I ended up making an audio version of the book. So that's the only form in which it exists. Who is Mr. Waxman is available for like free download on the internet. And I never, I never know, you know, how many people have listened to it. I don't keep track of anything. It's just up there. People can get it if they want. And that book, so that was the first time that I recorded an audio book. And, you know, once again, my decision to do that was partly based on the fact that I wanted the book to come out in some form, but also because I'm really interested in thinking about the voice as, well, in that, in that particular case, not necessarily music, but definitely as a kind of, a, you know, spoken voice as an art form. And the sound artist that I was working with um, did some super interesting things with it. He, he would use uh, uh, sort of ambient noise. So we recorded my voice in a in a studio, you know, much like I imagine that you do with most of your books. But um, he also had me record things like the noise of food cooking in my apartment or me vacuuming and that kind of thing. And that became the kind of transitional music between different parts because a lot of the book is about domesticity. So the sounds of my home environment became kind of the music of the text. I was just going to say that that kind of, um, you know, we, we've definitely experimented with that kind of stuff in the past. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a very fine line, at least in the, um, 
the audiobook publishing community of what constitutes an audiobook and a radio drama. And when right. the, when a lot of sound effects start coming into play, you know, you start mm-hmm. getting people like, well, it's not really an audiobook as much as a radio drama. But, right. but, uh, but yeah, it's fascinating to, uh, to implement all that stuff because, you know, so many sound engineers that we work with uh, live and die by the concept of removing any noise whatsoever. Um, right. And, and, but I, I'm like you, I think that it's interesting to, to, you know, if you're working with this medium, uh, the book becomes something else entirely. So why, why stop there? But yeah, I guess right. it, it just depends on every project, I guess. Well, in the gift, one of the things I'm saying this because you know this, but if someone's listening to this and they haven't read it, they Please. wouldn't notice in the, in the gift, there's a character with whom I have a correspondent or the narrator has a correspondence and that character sends the narrator these long voice recordings, which are basically like, you know, it's basically like writing a letter. And in fact, he often ends these voice recordings with a, you know, like love Sami as though he were writing a letter. But, um, that one of the things that I talk about a lot in the text is that as, as the narrator's listening to the recording, it's not so much the words as the phatic language and the, you know, the breath and the hemming and hawing and the, um, you know, all of that stuff, which I actually find super interesting and and meaningful, you know? So it's funny. I was just, uh, someone was asking me about the process of making the audiobook of the gift and, you know, they were, they were asking me about how clean it needed to be, or if I, you know, and I was describing, you know, if I would take an inappropriate breath or, pause where there wasn't really a comma that, you know, I would re-record it and that in a couple of cases, you know, your people, you know, would say, that sounds great. Could you just re-record this one sentence because it's not quite clean enough or, you know, there's a little glitch. And, on the you know, there was something very satisfying about the perfectionism that went into it. And then at the same time, there's, there's a part of me that is, you know, so attached to the imperfections of spoken language. But, sure. So, yeah. So... Yeah, it's it's really it's really uh, a fun process. I mean, I, I definitely want to hear what you have to say about the process in general. But I mean, even just getting back, um, recording sometimes. This is kind of a random detail of, of of it sometimes. But you know, you'll hear. You know, we we'll record authors here with us in the studio. We record authors mm-hmm. remote remotely in other studios. We record authors from their apartments. Uh, you know, in right. di- distant lands. But uh, it's cool to get pieces of audio back. And sometimes you'll hear like you know, the people on the street below or their dog or, you know, right. somebody who lives with them walking through. And you're like getting these little strange glimpses right. of their life where when you get a manuscript, yep. you're not accidentally yep. writing, suddenly my dog barks, suddenly the mailman knocks on the door. So it, it's kind of, yeah. it's a cool. I, I guess it, when people would send people hard copies, there would be things like whatever coffee stains. Sure. Or, yeah. You know, things that, yeah, traces of real life. Right. But, yeah. yeah now with the is. digital, it's, yeah. yeah it's the, the equivalent, the coffee stain of audio. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And uh, just when you said that about you hear dog, dogs barking, or this is another thing because um, that's of interest to me because I, and this is also part of the story of the gift is I do record music at home and mm-hmm. And I, you know, and I, and I, these ukulele cover tunes and they're super lo-fi and oftentimes because I live in New York city, there will be a siren or, you know, some noise, street noise going and almost inevitably it's perfectly in the key that I'm, <laughs> that I'm 
singing in and it comes in at exactly the right moment. And right. I'm always really happy that it happened, but that it's just, that seems to happen a lot. Yeah. That's so cool. It's funny hearing you talk about this stuff is reminding me of the first time I listened to the audio of the gift. Um, just thinking, you know, when I had read the manuscript prior to us acquiring, uh, you know, the book from Emily and Coffeehouse mm-hmm. and yourself, I thought, you know, what a fantastic idea for an audio book. But then really listening to the audio, like so much of the story and yourself, at least I assume, because I don't really know you yet, uh, hopefully that'll change, but it seems, you know, so much of mm-hmm. r- recording and different kinds of media and this whole like, culture of recording oneself in different ways and you're recording your mm-hmm. book there, there was so much going on there it seems so appropriate for an audiobook it was kind of perfect yeah i was i was really happy it worked out and i have to say this is i don't know this, maybe this doesn't belong in your podcast but i'm not sure i fully communicated to you how nice you and your co-workers were to work with it was just yeah oh, super wow. yeah no everybody was you know super patient and generous and um so we originally, because That's I think awesome. it was you guys had approached us about doing it pretty quickly, and the first proposition was to have somebody else read it. Mm-hmm. And for obvious reasons, I was like, "Oh, I want to read it myself. I want yeah. to read it myself." And and so, but because I'm based here, and we had limited time, and it did, we weren't sure about getting a proper studio situation to record it, we ended up negotiating me recording it here at home. All I did was get a slightly better microphone because I had previously been using just an internal mic on my on my computer. So we got it we got a pretty good mic and it seemed to work out all right. And then your guys cleaned it up and did all of the magic that made it sound um, you know, much more professional. But that um so it was recorded here in my living room. Yeah, right that, here. yeah, so, no, that, that's from now. So it, that was fun. It's funny for for anybody listening. Um, you know, we like in this situation, we might try to get a studio first because, you know, we don't have to worry about things like, uh, you know, noise pollution um, and sure. and you know the day to day maybe getting in the way of production deadlines. Yeah, of but course. when yep. it does when it does work, um, and I'm sure you know everybody in the the super serious audiobook business, you know, if anybody heard this would would scoff, but I mean, there's so many times where I'll get a recording back and my, my partners and I are, are going through it and there's something maybe about somebody, an artist being in their own comfortable home and what it, sure. how it can help with the recording and sometimes so much more natural sounding, so much more organic, um, yep. less rushed. You know, people yeah. have their own schedule, so they're having time to mess with things and think about things a little differently, I think. Definitely, and, uh, definitely. Yeah. And my, my two experiences, having done, uh, who is Mr. Waxman, you know, a number of years ago in a studio, um, I found it much more stressful. And, you know, it's partly, they, um, my friend, since he was actually, you know, he's the character in the book, we um, he's a really close friend of mine. And so I was reading about him while he was engineering the thing and he would kind of sheepishly, you know, he would make little jokes about what I guess is the technical term in your business, mouth noise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, when you can hear sort of the smacking, of, yeah, you know, the... like you hear the saliva in somebody's mouth and it, you just get this, um, like if you have a really good mic, it's just almost unbearable as a reader because you, you, you hear everything and there's something so naked about it, you know, right. but, um, 
yeah, no, there was something really nice about doing it at home and, and me just being able to figure out if I was comfortable with the way I was sounding when I, you know, play it back and, uh, and not feel rushed and not feel like I was wasting somebody's time or. Yeah. yeah. It was, yeah, I think it was superior <laughs> as an experience. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm glad you feel that way. Yeah. It's, Whenever somebody uh, starts a production similar to The Gift, you know, the first question is, you know, A, do you want to record it or should we get a narrator? And B, you know, if you want to do it, how do you want to do it? And so, you know, yeah. to, to me, it's like whatever works, whatever is the most comfortable mm-hmm. is going to make the best, the best book. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, well, that's that's pretty fun. So what, what since we're talking about the recording, um, you know, we obviously we're getting everything when it was sent to us, but what, what kinds of, uh, if any, maybe there weren't any, but like challenges or, or anything nutty that happened or, or was it, you know, was there anything about the recording process that seemed like strenuous or challenging or maybe the whole thing was? There's, there's one, well, it's funny to, to say this. I was, so that when I was having this conversation where my friends were asking me about recording an audiobook, they, they uh, it was not the person themselves, but they, they had a friend who had recorded an audio version of her own book, which is a memoir. And it's a very painful memoir. And uh, when she got to a certain passage in the book, she cried, you know, as she was reading it. And mm-hmm. it, that was audible. Um, and they asked me about that. And there is a passage in the gift um, that, well, there are actually a couple that it's, there, that in almost inevitably, and maybe I should be embarrassed about this, you know, because like to say, oh, my writing makes me cry. Maybe <laughs> sounds kind of ridiculous. Not, not, but, not at all. But, not at all. But but it's it's you know I'm not it's not I'm not making claims for the you know compelling moving nature of the prose so much as I'm just saying it's it's material that is it's you know describing incidents that are that are really taken from my life that were kind of painful. So when I went it's difficult for me to read, even if I'm giving a bookstore reading or something like that, it's hard for me not to to choke up. And of course, the question is, do you leave that in? Not uh, for various reasons. Like, do do you leave that in? Um, Yeah, it was uh, apparently that was a choice for this woman reading from her memoir. For me, I think there was one that I I didn't, um, you couldn't really hear something crack. Um, But I think if I, I mean, I would have to go back and listen again. If I tell you the truth, I haven't listened to the whole audio book once you guys edited it and, sure. and put it all together. I, I just listened to the parts of it so many times and I, I kind of, sure, uh, you, you I needed lived. to get some distance. Yeah, you lived but, it. Yeah, but my experience of recording it, I believe that there there is something near the very, very end where where you can hear something crack, you know, it's not sobbing or anything like that, but there, there's something where you can hear the voice crack a little. Um, and so for me, that was a, you know, because I, on the one hand, it's true to my own reading of it. On the other hand, you don't want to, I guess that's why, why people, why within your industry, people have a, a tendency to want things to be clean because what, you know, if it were text on the page, you won't, you would want for the, reader to make the decision about sure, whether exactly. it's sad or funny or ironic or whatever. You don't want to prescribe a certain kind of um, emotional response to that. So, so that was, you know, it's a little tricky, but I think it was, it was small enough that I felt like it was kind of true to my reading of it, but also wasn't necessarily, you know, marked or, or prescriptive in terms of how I would, 
you know, expect for somebody else to hear it. Um, but it, that was, that was probably the hardest thing. Um, yeah, that, that, that's interesting. Yeah. I, for me, I think, you know, one of the reasons we even started talking book is because, uh, we loved audiobooks and we thought they could be much more weird and much more fun. Um, and so if you're asking me about, if someone asked me personally about that, if I hear somebody light up a cigarette or I hear a crack in somebody's voice or something that somehow matches and it's like a little, mm-hmm. little beautiful Easter egg in the, in the, in the, um, in the read, then for me, mm-hmm. that that's like, that's everything. That's the best part of the book. But then some people, like you said, yeah, the, the age old argument of like, um, straight read or dramatic read, but right. to me, I think they can cross, right. cross over and complement each other, I think. So mm-hmm. I love that stuff. You know, a lot of times people will, you know, talk about the, um, maybe because you're such a seasoned, you know, uh, artist when it comes to performance and, and recording in general, it seems just from, from reading the book and reading what little I've read about, you know, your personal life, um, maybe oftentimes I'll hear like, oh, you know, it was a great experience, but it was very exhausting, you know, or the stamina and, and things like that. Did you find that yeah. to be anything? Well, the only reason for that was that it, it happened to come, we wanted to do it pretty quickly. So sure. I, it was a little exhausting because I was teaching, you know, so I was kind of like running from class and then coming home and then oh, man, and, and reading. So, but, but that, that was just that question of timing in general. I, I do a lot of You're right. I do a lot of recording. And in fact, the, um, my performance slash writing collaboration, uh, on the book that I published subsequently to the gift is a, an on it's an ongoing collaboration where we do musical performances but also every time we do a musical performance I do a reading of about 20 minutes before the show so and that's we do it with um you know I, I put together a kind of a video um you know silent video that will 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 sort of interact with the with the narration that's kind of a um it's like a live I don't know like a like a little live mini film with with a you know, what would be a voiceover, excepting I'm reading it live. And so, uh, yeah, I have, and then, and then I also record those and we post them all to YouTube. So it's something I do all the time. I'm like pretty much always, I have some recording project, which is spoken word. When people say spoken word, word, oftentimes there's some kind of notion that that's like going to be, um, you know, slam poetry. Or something. <laughs> right, it's, yeah, uh, I, it's not, it's not right. that spoke. I just mean like literally me speaking my Rose, you know, not not particularly dramatically, but there's a ton of uh, YouTube videos that are, um, you know, semi-fictional narratives that I that I record all the time. So yeah, I, I do it all the time. I, I like it. Um, I like I like thinking of speaking or reading as a kind of uh, like I said, uh, you know, it's, I hesitate to say as a musical form, except not. Really, I mean that's sort of the premise of the book. So those, in fact, what happens in the gift is that the narrator receives these um, these long voicemails and actually choreographs dances to the spoken language as though it were music. So, so I'm I'm able certainly, especially with other people speaking, I'm able to push it in my mind conceptually to to think about it as as actually a musical performance. Um, yeah, it does interest me that the place where those things cross over. Yeah, that's cool. I, I think that um, the, you know, not not to talk about talking book in general too much, but, you know, just from the 
the starting point of us, you know, wanting to to make audiobooks in the beginning was a lot of it. I think you know, us being uh, writers and readers ourselves of of, of uh, you know uh, literary stuff, maybe quote unquote, you could say, and wanting to continue to explore like you know an audiobook not just as a and I'm really busy and I don't have time I'm on the go I got to listen to a book but you know the audiobook right. as as this right, right. um taking you know a narrative uh or or text or language and seeing what you can do with it in all these fun cool new ways just because people right, have right. these devices now with phones and computers and you can right. you know yeah, enjoy books. Well, in but it, ways. yeah, I, I I agree with you, and like I I like to think about the aesthetic possibilities too. But but there is something that I kind of like about, um, and it surprised me how many people have said to me, "Oh, I listened to your book." Oh, I'm you so know, glad and, that and, you heard that. I love. You know, that. I it, yeah. it 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 surprised me, and 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 then they'll you know explain. Oh, it's because I love to listen to audiobooks or podcasts when I'm at the gym. A lot of times it's at the gym, you know, you hear that? Sure. Or commuting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like, do the same. Yeah. Yeah. And um and like I can I can dig it. You know, like I, I like that. And in fact when I first uh recorded who was Mr. Waxman, you know, as I said, it was it was about sound and, you know, conceptually it was all about sound and sound art and everything. But at the same time it did. It did occur to me that in certain situations, there's something great about being able to use your hands and still be absorbed in a narrative. And that book had um, a whole thing about this feminist craft collective, which was actually like a vaguely, just very slightly veiled version of what is actually this feminist journal that I've been involved with for many, many, many years, and we ran it out of my living room. But um, but in the in the novel, I turned it into this. You know. It was, a bunch of feminist knitters, which of course, you know, is like you flash forward, you know, however many years to the pussy hat, you know, phenomenon sure. and all of that. So, it, but, but feminist knitters, you know, that was really kind of burgeoning at the time. And, and so I suddenly realized, Oh, this is kind of great because if people are knitting, they could listen to this book. So then, you know, I, I thought, well, I'm going to find my little niche audience. And I got on the internet and I started looking for, um, feminist knitting bloggers. And, you know, I tried to reach out and say, Oh, you know, you may want to, you know, say something about this because you're, you know, the people who pay attention to your blog might also want to listen to a narrative that's about feminist knitters while they're knitting and they can listen to it because it's a, it's it's an audio book. And the only people who wrote me back were the gay male feminist knitter. <laughs> and I said, oh, this is kind of amazing. I think I've really found my niche audience. It's like, you know, so that, that became sort of what I, what I realized that if I, if, and it, you know, fairly specific, but the feminist, you know, the gay male feminist knitting collective, that was my people, you know, and whatever. I was really super happy to find, to find my people. So that's at least for that book. That's how that worked. <laughs> Yeah, I hope those I hope those same people uh, are enjoying the gift and and checking. I hope so too. Yeah, I hope so too. There's something. Yeah, yeah. I would I would think it would still. Yeah, there's knitting also in the gift. Yeah, some knitting. Knitting happens. (laughs) There is knitting. We have knitting sightings in the gift for all of you people who are listening. Exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. Are you? um, Do you think that you would uh, you'd want to do something like that again? Having done that with the gift. Um, in terms of that sort of collaboration with future books or anything like that, or do you think you would try a professional narrator next time? Or oh, I, if anybody 
would let me read my own stuff, I always would read my own stuff. That's good to yeah. know, and uh, because you know, if we are, if we're, if I'm ever lucky enough to be able to collaborate with you in one of your uh, works again, then you know, hundred um, percent, you know, there's definitely go for uh, you reading yourself because that was quite quite the experience. You know, not only just working on it, but listening to it as well. So yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, of always course. a pleasure. Yeah. yeah, I was supposed to actually tell you as well. Um, so uh, my. Uh, you know, we're just a small gang. It's it's myself and, and my partner, and then one of my best friends, and then um, mm-hmm. uh, you know a couple of uh, editors that help us. But my uh, my uh, buddy Dave, who helped you through a lot of the process, I think mm-hmm. he just wanted me to let you know how much he liked working on your book personally. I was, well, I was supposed to thank say that you. Too. Well, he was a delight. Uh, you know, as I said, everybody that I was in touch with in your organization was just delightful. But yeah. Well, thank you. So the feeling's mutual. Okay, cool. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be uh, cleaning up this podcast episode, so he'll hear that for sure. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, that's awesome. What, what's uh, what's going on now with you, Barbara? What what are you working on next? Um, well, as I mentioned, so after right after the gift came out, or mm-hmm. you know, like a couple of months after, a month after the gift came out, um, I published one of those thirty three and a third. Are you familiar with this series? I don't. That, way, a, that sounds so familiar. What is that? I know what a, that is. It's a series. Bloomsbury does a series called Thirty Three and a Third, in which each book is there's small books that each one just deals with one record album. So it's like an analysis, or a you know a, what analysis? Uh, some of them are much more. Um, some of them are written by novelists. Some of them are written by scholars. So some of them are really like musicological analysis, but. Mostly it's like, you know, a, whatever, like a Beatles album that somebody totally loves and, and they just go through every song and they, and they tell you either their, you know, personal associations or the stories of how it was recorded or, and that kind of thing. So I did one of those, I did the first, it was the first one that they did of non-Anglophone, well, actually it is Anglophone, but of, of non-US or UK, um, a non-US or UK artist. So I I did one on uh, Caetano Veloso's uh, A Foreign Sound, which is actually, uh, so I, you may know this, I, I lived in Brazil for a number of years and I yeah. speak Portuguese and I go back and forth. So, um, and I've written a lot about Brazilian music and dance before. So I, I did one on that album. And then uh, in February, just last month, um, my performance slash life collaborator, Imre Lodbrog slash Sebastian Renier. His real name is Sebastian Renier, um, but his performance name is Imre Lodbrog. He and I uh, recorded a record album or, or, you know, whatever, a CD or whatever. It's downloadable. It's on iTunes called Imre Lodbrog et sa petite amie. That's me, his little friend. And um, we published with a super tiny press, San Francisco-based press, um, a book that's called Who the Hell is Imre Lodbrog? Oh, cool. And so we're trying to get the word out. It's, you know, it's it's a challenge working with, you know, a super tiny... Like, I love independent presses. Sure. I love, love, love independent presses for all kinds of reasons. Um, for the same reason I love independent bookstores and record stores and everything. Um, but, you know, it, it can be a challenge to get the word out. Definitely. And this is probably the, this is the smallest press I've ever, um, you know, had a project going with. So that's, you know, we're just trying to figure out like how to get 
uh, how to attract attention to that particular project. But anyway, so that's out. And then, and we, um, we had so much fun doing that, that we're, uh, we're already launching into, you know, volume two. So, (laughs) so we're going to keep that story going. And, um, so that's, that's kind of what's on my plate right now. We're, you know, I'm sort of trying to promote the, the last one and, do some work on the next one and he writes in French and I write in English. So it's also a translation project. You know, I translate his French into English and oh, cool. He, and he translates my English into French and, and uh, yeah. And then we have a sort of regular performance schedule. So um, we're, he and I are going to California later this month and uh, you know, we'll do some readings from that, from that book out there. Since that, so the press is based in San Francisco, we're going to hit San Francisco and then, LA and then we'll come back and back to work. God, that sounds uh, really busy, but awesome. Say the name of that book one more time so people can, can really gra- uh, grab sure, it. Sure. It's called Who the Hell is Imre Lodbrog? Gotcha. Who the yeah. Hell is Imre Lodbrog? Okay. Yeah. Heck and yeah. our album is called Imre Lodbrog is a Petit Ami. So, yeah, it, it's I M R E. Lodbrog, L-O-D-B-R-O-G, and there's a you know whole story, but yeah, any any Google sleuthing will will take you down a rabbit hole because we have all kinds of stuff floating around that can tell you more if you're interested. Yeah, please, I um, yeah. I really hope that we can uh, you know definitely keep keep chatting and I, I can keep following all the the awesome stuff that you're doing and then hopefully maybe. You know, in the near to distant future, maybe we uh, can do a Barbara Browning talking book team up again. Very cool. Well, I would love it. I've totally enjoyed working with you so far. So, oh, that's so cool, Barbara. So, after um, this conversation, we're gonna um, we're gonna play an excerpt from the gift. Do you have any uh, any um, suggestions or or uh, requests that you you'd like played on the episode? Oh, well, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the way we usually do these, it's it's fun because, you know, we'll record mm-hmm. a book with an author and then, you know, we'll have a chat just like this, just chat about mm-hmm. the book or recording or whatever. And then, mm-hmm. you know, there's a reading, quote unquote, right. and it's an excerpt from the book. Well, I'm just asking myself since we talked about it, but I haven't listened to it myself Sure. Uh, since I recorded it. But, you know, since I was talking about that uh, passage, it's pretty close to the end. Um, but... I don't know. How do you locate things in the, uh, what I was going to say, I, I could probably figure out the page number, but I don't know if that would. Usually we'll just do it by, we, we usually have, you know, a list. So the way when we, when I, I don't want to tell too many trade secrets, but, uh, we, uh, we'll, right. ha, we'll have like a, you know, a, a system of tracks corresponding to page and chapters and things like that marked off. So, you know, we've probably done 10, maybe 10 books or so, 10 recordings since then, but we, you know, I would right. just go back and kind of do some little bit of detective work and find the section, you know, no problem. Yeah, well, the section, I, and I think that Dave may have told me that something like he found it moving, so he might know exactly where it is. I think it's like two, it's right near the end. I awesome. don't have my glasses on, well, so I can't read the page number. It's this, it's uh, It's the, the sort of big reveal um, regarding uh, this character, Olivia. Um, yes. I will find so it, that, no problem. Yeah, it's two. It starts on two thirty-two. Uh, yeah, it's page two thirty-three. Almost inevitably, either you know whether people hear it on the on the audio version or if they read the book. If anybody says to me, 
something about a particular page or moment in the text, that's usually the one they want to talk about. So it's, yeah, it's right near the end. It's 233 is the page in question. Yeah. That's what the listeners are going to hear. Awesome. Okay, cool. All right, Barbara. Well, I guess try to stay warm uh, in the snow up there, and uh, I'll uh, I'll definitely contact you soon about this, and hopefully a lot more stuff in the future. Great. Well, thanks so much, Chris. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, definitely. We'll talk soon, I'm sure, and uh, take care. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Well, there you go. That was it. That was my conversation with Barbara Browning. She's great. And that was really fun talking to her. I feel like sometimes I'll talk to somebody on the show and it's kind of like being in a karate class or something and I'm like listening to a sensei and I know I'm hearing endless wisdom and I better remember this shit, you know? Barbara is definitely one of those. I need to continue trying to talk to her because really cool people will make us better people. So... Anyway, here is a reading from Barbara Browning, an excerpt from The Gift, which is out now from Talking Book in Audio. About a week ago, Olivia and I went back up to Bard, not for anything related to her work there, but to see the very magical singer and performance artist Taylor Mack. The show was in the Spiegel tent, a canopied pavilion all decked out with crystal chandeliers and mirrors that they set up on the campus in the summer. Taylor was singing tunes from the 1920s that night, and he was also bedecked in sparkly things, stunning. He had a very capable pianist, a discreet and tasteful bassist, a feisty older woman on drums, and an electric guitarist. Taylor sang a heart-rending version of Bye Bye Blackbird, slow and cracking with emotion. And as he ended the verse, he turned to his electric guitarist and gestured grandly for her to take a solo. She was a blonde woman, a little younger than me, small but strong, also bedecked and bedizened, but with a certain seriousness of purpose as she grasped and addressed her instrument. In that moment, the glaring spotlight and every shard of sparkle and glitter in the tent fell on her, and she played the howling agony of the world, and it was gorgeous and it was devastating, and no one breathed. The howl of her guitar was the sound of my mother's desire for death and her terror of it. It was the exquisite pain of Sami's missing leg and his father. It was the phone call home that Ty couldn't make. It was Olivia's shattered metacarpal bone and the horrible ache of wanting more than she wanted to want. It was my own clutching fear of disappointing any of them. I leaned into Olivia's shoulder, and I cried like a baby, and I loved the sound of that guitar, and I loved the woman who was playing it, and when she finished, the crowd went wild. Olivia stroked my hair. She didn't need to say anything, because she knew. The woman who was playing the guitar was my real lover, the one who asked to be excised from this story the one for whom I had to imagine Olivia to take her place. After I hurt her, the stipulation she gave me was that the only way she wanted to appear in my fiction was in a brief cameo as a rock star, which is, in fact, what she was. Well, 
At least you caught a glimpse of her in all her incandescence. There you have it, folks. The Gift by Barbara Browning. It was originally published in 2017. Uh, we recorded and published it uh, as an audiobook. It is fantastic, so go get it. Uh, talkingbook.pub, talkingbook.pub. You can find other titles that we've done in audio, like The Sarah Book um, by Scott McClanahan, Literally Show Me a Healthy Person by Darcy Wilder, classic literature uh, from New Directions like Henry Miller on Writing, multiple books by Clarice Lispector, Miriam Gerba's uh, new memoir, Mean, from the same Emily Books and Coffee House Press. Lots of fun stuff happening. Uh, Talkingbook.pub is a nonprofit. We're in Asheville, North Carolina, independent audiobook publisher. Why? I'll tell you why. Because there's a hell of a lot of indie presses out there. Audiobooks are popular, and lots of different kinds of people like them and need them. Uh, and so we thought, let's start recording a lot more indie literature and audio because those are the kind of books we read. And that's the kind of stuff we want to listen to and we want other people to be able to get it to. So anyway, if you want to learn how to get involved, go to talkingbook.pub, talkingbook.pub. Check us out. Come to Asheville. Hang out. Stop by. Record something in our booth. Meet Dave, the sound engineer. Meet Danny, the designer. Uh, we have a lot of cool people hanging out. Nice authors, nice publishers, nice agents. Uh... Nice publishers, good people all over the place. But anyway, I'll shut up. I'll stop talking. Uh, thanks so much for listening, folks. Um, check out Barbara Browning's The Gift. And that's all. Like a bishop who has forsaken sympathy Chasing sister squares I was lit Before I knew that you were there Like an angel Who has forsaken certainty Sleeping in the square I was lit